For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Only 4% of universities in the U.S. are R1 research institutions, and Temple University is one of them. This means 100% of students have the opportunity to participate in hands-on learning and research with world-class faculty. With over 600 academic programs across 17 schools and colleges, Philadelphia's largest public university provides students with a rich variety of opportunities and propels graduates to succeed in their careers. Temple University. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu. visit this is John Summerall, head football coach at Troy. You're listening to the Fun Belt Podcast. Thanks. Yeah. If you didn't know before, now you know why they call this the Fun Belt. Very excited about the Sun Belt. You know, while other conferences have been breaking up, our conference has become stronger. The state of Sun Belt football is the strongest in our history. I saw Fun Belt Conference, and I'm like, I don't know what this is. They got to join the show. It sounds a lot of fun. Fun Belt Podcast, part of the Believe Network, back for our bowl extravaganza as we get ready for the postseason with the 12 teams in the Sunbelt Conference that are going into the postseason, Jeremy. What more could you want than having 12 teams of Sunbelt action in the postseason? 13 teams. I would have loved to have seen 13 teams, Tibbs, with number 13 being your Warhawks. That would have been everything to me. Just wait till next year. <laughs> I don't know when next year is, but wait till next year. <laughs> what do you have against Southern Miss? Hey, you know, they're the newbies. They got to wait their turn. Besides, they've had years and years of established success, but yeah. not the Warhawks. You know, it's about time finally for something good. Happen in row. So, Jeremy, I know that you are headed to Montgomery for the Camellia Bowl, which we'll be talking about coming up. And then, Shane, are you uh, all prepped and, and ready to head to Fort Worth for the Armed Forces Bowl? I think I'm doing that one remotely. Those cheap uh, bastards uh, won't send uh, you to man, Fort Worth. You know, uh, we're sending, sending somebody, not me. <laughs> Oh, I'm, I'm focusing a lot on basketball right now. All the major sports are in action this week with the college football playoffs ready to kick off. Bet Online is your number one destination for all your sports wagering info, including news for pro football, the NBA, upcoming fights, and NHL games this season. Bet Online is my preferred betting platform for Jeremy Harper of Howraiser. So head to the website today to get into the action and see all the updated odds for the week. Remember to use promo code BLEAV, B-L-E-A-V to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. I will be heading out to represent the Fun Belt Podcast in New Orleans to see the Jacksonville State Warhawks, I mean Gamecocks, against Louisiana Lafayette Raging Cajuns. You can't just call another team the Warhawks and then pretend that's your team in a bowl game. That's not that that when doesn't you have three fourths of the roster from from one school. Yeah, you you kind of can, oh. and the same thing with the coaching staff as well. So it's kind of like Incarnate Word is going to a bowl game this year. That is correct, <laughs> largely so. But before we kick off the in-depth mm-hmm. discussion of bowl games, we have a fun belt legend in our midst, Jeremy. And okay. no, it's not Shane, even though he got to vote for the Heisman this past year. Uh-huh. I get to go to the New Orleans Bowl where there was a great performance back in 2006 where Sunbelt Conference Player of the Year, he was also the, the guy that, took home MVP honors, and the first Troy Bowl win. One of my favorite quarterbacks in the league, other than maybe Rusty Smith. 
Troy Trojan, Omar Hogabook. Welcome in there, Omar. How you guys doing? We're doing good, man. I'm yeah. uh, glad to have you on. I know that you are settling into, into the ranks of coaching, have, having to uh, give up the quarterback position and, and now putting on the headset there at yes. Glade Central in South Florida. But we want to hear about your days in the Sunbelt Conference playing with the Troy Trojans. It's bowl season. How much of that do you go back to and think about that 2006 New Orleans bowl game? Throughout that year, we had some ups and down games. And once we got to middle 10, middle Tennessee State game, that was a game that we all, you know, it was a game to get us in a position to be in the bowl. And it took us to the last little bit, seconds in the fourth quarter, to be able to pull it off. And we had to handle business after that, after that week. We went to FIU to handle business, and we was able to get our bowl bid to the New Orleans Bowl. So it's a, ooh, been a long time, you know, been a long time since I put on pads and be able to reminisce about those times. But it's great to see that the Trojans is back in the bowl game. That's awesome. So it was a unique thing in the early days of the New Orleans Bowl that the MVP got this awesome customized helmet. Do you still have the MVP helmet? Yes, I do. Yes, I do. I have it at home. My mom, she keeps all my trophies, my awards and stuff. So she keeps that in the house. So every now and then I get a chance to look at it and, you know, reminisce of what transpired in New Orleans. So Did you ever, did you ever try to actually put it on, though? Oh, no, nah, I can't put it on. No, nah, I can't do that. <laughs> I think my head got too big to do that. So, oh. no. Nah. So, nah, I can't really can't really put it on. But one day I'll try. But I'm going to pass it on to my kids. I have an 11-year-old son. So, hopefully he can fit it one day. So, Omar, back in your days of playing with Troy, what was the one team that you really, especially against the Sun Belt, who, who was that one team that really, like, kind of got on your nerves? Oh, no, no doubt, FAU. It was it was very personal for me for FAU. I remember a recruiter told me that I wasn't that type of guy for at quarterback. And I was in high school when he said that. And I always remember that. And I was like, man, I can't wait one day I can be able to play them. And also it was added fuel to the fire because one of my high school teammates, he was the starting middle linebacker with FAU. So it was like a rivalry between me and him because we've been playing together since Little League and also the chip on my shoulder when the coach told me that I wasn't that type of quarterback. So it was always personal when we played FAU. So somebody, the coach at FAU gave you a slight and you wore that chip the entire time you were with Troy? Yes, all the time. All <laughs> the time. All the time. All the time. Took it very personally, man. You know, my route to Troy, man, was not like anybody route. You know, I had to take the Juco route at first. Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> played at Don City Community College. Graduated in 2005. And at the time, when I, before I came to Troy, I didn't have any, any offers at, at all. Marsha came at the end in December. Then all of a sudden, uh, Tony Franklin called me up and Basically told me if I want to go for 3,000 yards and 40 touchdowns, then I need to come to Troy. If not, then he basically said I was scared. I don't want to win. I don't want to be good. So I took up his offer and came up for like a day. And checked out the school. It was just me and him. And at the end of the day, I let my mom decide where she wanted me to go. I told her it didn't matter where I go. I feel like I had an opportunity to play. She Wait, so to go to Troy. So we have your mom to think for Troy yeah. getting back to back championships in the Sun Belt and, yes. and, and for the, the great numbers that you put up. Yes, my mom chose my school. If my mom had said I was going to Marshall, I was going to Marshall. So I let her choose. I, I I'm I'm completely speechless. The in, in all the time I've been covering recruiting, I've never heard a story where mom 
had that much stroke. I've heard girlfriends. I've heard nah, you know, dad mom. says you're going there, but wow. Yeah, and I think my mom. It it was easy for my mom because it wasn't. It was like a what seven and a half to eight hour ride from um South Bay, and my mom didn't like catching flights. She didn't like planes at all. So that's that's kind of the reason as well because she didn't she didn't like to travel in there. So. I know y'all probably like, oh man, this pig is my mom. I love Troy. I love Troy. I love Troy. I didn't like Marshall because of uh, it was too far from home. I wanted it to be close. Uh, I'm not a cold weather guy. You know, I'm a Florida guy, so I'm used to the great weather. So, you know, Troy was close enough to uh, fulfill my needs to carry on my football career. Definitely closer in Dodge City. Oh yes, oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, oh yes. I, I'm a I'm a former Hutch Blue Dragon, so I, I know oh, the Jayhawk Conference well. So. Oh yeah. But hey, I mean, look at it this way: your 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 punishment of going to Dodge City. I say that in the air quotes. Hey, I'm gonna tell You're you something. If yes, it felt like it felt like punishment too. I I I was so appreciative of Troy after I left Dodge City. Because Dodge City was very tough. I'm talking about it was very tough. I'm from the food wasn't wasn't great. I'm not talking bad, but it just the food wasn't great. You're away from home. That was my first time away from home. And it was just like it was a culture shock for me, man. Real bad. Like I was homesick. I almost left Dodge City after a week being up there because I'm just missing home so much. But I'm glad that I stayed. Um, it changed my life. And um, I have, you know, being at in 2015, they nominated me to be in a Hall of Fame. And that was like a great honor, man. It was a very great honor that they looked at me as one of the great athletes that came through Dodge City. So I was very appreciative of that. So at Pro Day, when your time at Troy, actually, I, I want to uh, take a, a step back. 2007, one of the biggest wins in Sunbelt Conference history. Oklahoma State somehow came to Troy. Larry Blakeney rolled the dice. Y'all got the big, huge win. I think that put Troy in the top 25 as the first ever Sunbelt Conference team that was ranked. You were a big part of that. What what do you remember from that game, and and do you have a part of the goalpost even from that game that kind of set their tradition of, of no. Troy goalposts going missing? No, I wasn't able to get nothing with the goalpost. It happened so fast; it was like a blur. I was just so excited. Um, first, we had a rain delay; it kind of took a little juice out of us for a little bit. But once we got on the field, it was like the fans were still out there. The fans was hyped. Man, the atmosphere was just, I can't, I just had the chills. And being on national TV, you know, all my family back in Florida, um, able to watch watch me on TV and all the all the all my teammates, you know, they family who couldn't make it, be able to watch us on national TV. It was like, I mean, we were super, super excited to play against them. And the best thing about it, we won in all three phases special teams, offense, and defense. Like, we dominated that game. And I feel like that's one of the games that we look we looked upon as a team. We was like, all right, we lost against Arkansas. You know, they were better. We didn't play so good against Florida. Okay, they were better. But this – but Oklahoma State coming here, here at Movie Gallery Stadium at the time, we were like, man, that's the game. We 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 got to put it all together. And I think that week we had – I know – if I can remember it, that week we had a very good day, good week of practice. And uh, we was locked in. We was we was ready for that game. So, in 2007, graduate. Everyone wants to play at the next level. I think you uh -huh. uh, wound up uh, getting hurt, unable to really go through the pro days. What really nah. happened to you after the the Troy days? Uh, I know you played a little bit of a, a arena ball and things like that, but but mm -hmm. tell us kind of what what happened to you there after Troy. 
Um, after I left Troy, I had the opportunity to sign with the BC Lions in the Canadian Football League. Um, had an opportunity to attend the court rookie rookie mini camp. Um, had got released at the rookie mini camp. Um, once I got released from there, um, I came back home, started coaching at my old high school and teaching a little bit. Had another opportunity to play arena football. Um, that didn't work out as planned, and I eventually end up in Homa, Louisiana, playing for the Homa Conquistadors. And after playing for playing arena, I kind of didn't have the same type of passion that I always had when I played the game. I feel like that chapter of my life was was behind me. Um, Going into my senior year in college, I had a had a daughter, and um, my focus kind of shifted towards more of a fatherhood than anything. Well, you know, you made the right choice, fatherhood, because I have two boys. It's a lot of fun. You know, yeah, you get it done. But tell me, is arena football playing in arena football as crazy as it looks? It is. I I I never had any broken bones playing. <laughs> 11 on 11 football, uh-huh. you know, 100 yard field. But I was, man, I broke my hand. Like, I had got a staff. And, man, it was just some of everything. I was like, I didn't sign up for this. And playing, playing on the arena, the field is not as great. Um, mm. We had barricades for the walls, and you run into those, and that hurt. The pattern was bad. The team that I went to, um, it was the first time, first time that they started up that team, and we had a lot of financial um, issues with the owner, and it was just, man, it was just, it was just crazy. So that experience, I was done after that. So um, <laughs> I got into law enforcement and you know coaching and training kids. So I kind of, you know, I kind of kept a low profile. Um, once I finished football, I wanted to kind of like still be around football, but I want to kind of, you know, remove myself from it and just be a be a normal person and nobody just look at me as, oh, quarterback, Omar Hargabook, they play at Troy. Like, I just wanted to be Mr. Omar Hargabook. So I kind of got away from football after, after I finished playing, maybe like three years, coached a little bit, and it's trying to like do something different, but – once I got back here in Florida, oh man, that fire and desire came back. Man, I'm I'm back in love with football. Um, been doing it since 2019. Um, at this present time, I'm currently the new interim head coach at my old high school, Glade Central Community High School, in hopes of being the head football coach for the 2024 football season. Now, when you coach these kids, these high school kids. Is the different? Is this generation different than when you were playing, or is it just same old kids? Oh no, it's different. You got you got this. This the social media era. Like mm-hmm. it's a lot of things going on. Like the passion is not as I normally, you know, been around. Um, a lot of these kids just the love of the game is not as high as it was when I was here. Um, it's more about taking pictures and videos and just, I was, it, it kind of confused me when I first came back. I was like, what are y'all doing? Like nobody's working hard. Everybody just want to play seven on seven. Like nobody want to train anymore. And it was, it was just, come on, man. The history of Glade Central and Pahokee football is like, if you do your research, we put people in college and in the league like year after year. It's always somebody from this area going and playing at the very highest level. And we kind of took a, a back, a took a, you know, a little backseat over these years. Um, I think that we got some guys that's currently in college football in this area that are doing real good. Um, my last, my two years ago, uh, last year at 
I was coaching at Falcon High School. Um, we had two guys that went to Ole Miss, um, DJ Holmes, in, who went to Ole Miss. We had a quarterback, Austin Simmons, he went to Ole Miss. Uh, we had a running back, uh, Jay Sean Benjamin, that went to Rutgers. We had another linebacker. He went to Tennessee State. Um, we had B.J. Bowden. He went to Georgetown. And we had a cornerback that went to Middle Tennessee State. So that was, like, huge to be able to sign those many guys to Division I um, scholarships. So it shows that with hard work and dedication, you can change the narrative of the kids that's around here. And um, that's my goal to change that at Glade Central. How much of your coaching do you take from your time with, with the legend, Larry Blakeney, who uh, uh, you know saw oversaw your career there at Troy? Yes, yes. I think I take something from every coach that coached me, from Little League, from my high school coaches, from my coaches, that was at junior college, my coaches at Troy. Like I take everything, I something something from everybody and put it all together. Uh, I feel like all of them played a huge part in my development. Um, the conversation me and Mr. Blakeney used to have is it was, I will always cherish that. He was always a a great father figure for me. Um we always talk about life. He always gave me words and encouragement, even at my lowest time when I was not playing it, playing up the par. And um, you know, he'll get me and we'll go have, you know, have something to eat and just telling me, you know, it's play like you always play and it's, you know, don't be so hard on yourself. And um those conversations, man, I was always cherished that for the remainder of my life. Well, Omar, thank you so very much for your time and uh, look forward to uh, catching up sometime down the road. Thank you. Yeah, so thank you so much. Thank you all so much for having me. I appreciate it. So, Jeremy, former New Orleans Bowl MVP Omar Hogabook leads us into the Super Bowl. Prediction? Are we, are we? Can we say Super Bowl? Yeah, I don't know why you're saying soup. Well, I guess Super Bowl. Yeah, Super. Not Super Bowls. It's the Super Bowl. Super Bowl show. Is that better? So, are we doing second and short Sun Belt Bowl game version of that, or or we, or is that second and short just for the se- regular season? Uh, it's your show, Jeremy. We're just we're just along for the ride. All right. Well, then fine. I'm going to second and short this. Got the gong going. The gong works for this. So the gong says yes. You know how it works, guys. I bring up the game. I introduce it. I pitch it to you guys. You guys weigh in. You guys ready? I was born ready. Yeah. Second and short. Bowl spectacular. Here we go. The first one, Saturday, December 16th. It's an early morning game, guys. Georgia Southern, 6-6. Six and six. Versus Ohio, 9-3 and three at the Myrtle Beach Bowl, 10 a.m. ESPN or ESPN Plus. The Eagles are a 3.5-point favorite. 3.5-point? Yeah, that's right. Favorite? I'm going to throw this over to you, uh, Shane, because you know Georgia Southern so well. <laughs> They're like your second team. I don't feel good about Georgia Southern in this. Simply because the Eagles haven't won like in more than a month. Am I right to feel this nervous about the Eagles? I think so. They didn't end the regular season well. Um, you know, even they had the win against Marshall. We're talking about Marshall when Marshall was kind of a mess. Uh, yeah. Then they lose their final two regular season games. I'm not feeling great about Georgia Southern, but maybe a month off was exactly what they needed or however long it's been. Maybe that's exactly what they needed. Get Davis Brin back out there throwing touchdowns instead of interceptions. You, you never know what you're going to get with a team in a bowl game when they've been off for a couple of weeks. You know, Shane, you could be Maybe right. that came right, right at the right time for Georgia Southern. It's like if I don't play golf for six months and then I get back on the golf course, I suddenly play better. It's like I lose all my bad habits. 
Maybe that's how it'll be for the Eagles. One thing going on for uh, Ohio, their veteran wide receiver, Tyler Walton, will not be there. He and veteran Key Thompson have both entered the transfer portal. Is that going to matter, Tibbs? Does it matter how many people leave Ohio? Is it going to affect the outcome of the Myrtle Beach Bowl? I think that is the difference. I, I, I think Georgia Southern, as you said, have been struggling, but they know their identity. They know who they are. Ohio now has to kind of reinvent their offense with two key components, MIA. With that, I, I like Georgia Southern to somehow sneak a little bit of Eagle Creek onto the beach and pull <laughs> off the win. They will need some of that that special Eagle Creek water to make that work. All right, so then, you know, a couple hours later, Tibbs is going to be on hand for this game. The R at plus L. R and L? Carriers. New okay, all right, all right. Uh, New Orleans Bowl at 1.15 p.m., either on ESPN or ESPN+. Plus. It's Jacksonville State, 8-4, and four, CUSA, versus Louisiana, 6-6. Six and six. Gamecocks, a three-point favorite in this. You know, Louisiana, they, they, they did not, like, uh, come barreling in, like, gangbusters for this game. Took them a while to get that six win. Didn't really kind of fell off at the end of the season. They lost their their freshman wonderkin quarterback, Zeon Chris. Uh, Tibbs, what do you, how do you see Louisiana stacking up against Jacksonville State in this game? I think overall that defense matches up pretty well against that offense. But offensively, I just don't see where the Cajuns have the firepower to negate that Gamecock defense. And I think that that's really going to be the difference there. In addition to that, I'm also interested to see kind of what's the fallout of, of the noise created when Coach Mike DeZormo <laughs> made the comment in the in the press conference when he was asked, you know, is is it still exciting to go to New Orleans for the New Orleans Bowl, knowing this is their seventh trip there? And what and, did and he his, say? His his comment was really taken out of context. Oh, okay. He said. For our board fans, meaning, you know, the ones that are keyboard warriors, to say that um, we're probably not the ones in Shreveport for the 17-degree weather last year watching <laughs> them play Houston in a pretty good game that I was at for that. Yeah. He said they should be grateful that they're playing in the 76-degree <laughs> New Orleans Superdome. Yeah. Everyone took that as a shot to Shreveport. I took that as a, you know, fans were going to bitch last year because it was 17 degrees. What's your excuse this year about going to New Orleans for the bowl game? You're probably not going to go anyway because tickets are $55 and you're only going to pay 50 or whatever the case is. So good for him for calling them out, but people need to just quit reading too much into what people say. Yeah, that sounds like a classic case of manufacturing a story out of absolutely nothing, Tibbs. That's just that's just stupid. But speaking of stupid, Jacksonville State can run, guys. The Gamecocks are one of the most potent rushing teams in the nation. Shane, do the Cajuns have enough run defense to keep those Gamecocks from running all over them? We'll see. I mean... I'm going to go back to you know what Tibbs is saying. Hey, I would love to have a couple of in-state bowl options to choose from here. So you Louisiana people complaining about that, I don't get it. But like I, along those lines, though, is this going to be a home game for Louisiana? I feel like that maybe is one thing that could help them. But you know, I'd love to see the Sun Belt beat one of the better, you know, one of the only good conference USC teams, frankly. But um, you know, I'm just not sure if it's a great matchup for the Cajuns. Yeah, yeah. They have not been great against the run, so we'll have to see. All right, on the same day, 2.30 p.m. on ABC or ESPN+, Plus, Miami, Ohio, 11-2, takes on Appalachian State, the runner-up for the Sun Belt. They're 8-5 and five in the Avocados from Mexico Cure Bowl. The Mountaineers are a five-and-a-half-point favorite. You know, I caught some of that MAC championship game, and I, I tell you what, I thought uh, the the Red Hawks looked really good in that game. So, Shane, what do you see coming out of this game? I mean, I think it's a tough matchup for App State, but you know, we've been high on the Mountaineers towards the end of the regular season. 
know, they run into a really good Troy team in the championship game. I think, you know, Joey Aguiar's kind of all in. Not everybody has their quarterback all in at this point in the season. Uh, I think the Mountaineers have a good chance. And, you know, well, just forget about your your uh, California avocados. This is the avocados from Mexico bowl. So, <laughs> yeah. So I'm thinking, you know, Mountaineers are going to pull out a close one in this one. You know, speaking of quarterbacks that aren't all in on their teams, Miami quarterback Avion Smith, who, who took over at midseason, led that five-game charge, was the quarterback that won the championship. He has hopped into the portal. I don't think he's going to be at the game. Joey Aguilar will be in the game. Is that going to make a big difference, Tibbs? Well, the Red Hawks, in true commercial fashion, they're not going to win today. Mm-hmm. All Mountaineers all the day. Okay. All right. So a couple of days later on Monday, December 18th, and what a good day for a bowl game, right? A weird day, you might say, for a college football game. And how apropos is it that two of the weirdest teams would be playing in this game? Western Kentucky, 7-5, versus Old Dominion, 6-6, six and six, at the famous Toastery Bowl. Famous Toastery Bowl. That's not right, is it? Is it the Toastery Bowl? It is the famous what Toastery it's Bowl. Huh. 1.30 p.m., ESPN or ESPN+. Plus. The Monarchs are two and a half point favorite you know western kentucky they love the throw they got austin reed back there he can throw really well you got jason henderson on the other side he really knows how to tackle i i don't know what else to say about this game shade offer some clarity i don't know i mean you got a couple of you know programs that are familiar with each other from the conference usa days yes um i feel like like old dominion was kind of building towards something they've overachieved there's a lot of excitement for being back in a bowl game in norfolk i was down there for a basketball game the other day they introduced the football team to a sold out crowd and they got some you know got got a lot of enthusiasm for this game it's not too far of a drive i think the monarchs have a chance to pull this one out i think they're in the right mindset for a bowl game which programs not not aren't always in the right mindset a couple years, a couple, not a couple years, a couple weeks after their regular season ends. Yeah. Well, you know, old dominion and the monarchs not expected to, to be in this position. So this is sort of a gravy game for the fans, right? They get to have that T- Tibbs, Do you agree? Is this the gravy game for old dominion? And as a result, this old dominion just sort of keep up with the weirdness and continues on to their sort of storied season. Let's get weird. I, I love the Monarchs, but but a question I have for y'all, straight from the Sickos Committee okay, and their podcast, what do you think Big Red smells like? And I don't mean like the costume and, and <laughs> the mold. The costume mildew. smells terrible like that. Oh, okay. okay, all right. But when you picture Big Red, what do you think he, he smells like? It, he either smells coppery, like a blood clot, or he smells like uh, like like that red gum that you get what what's big it red called? big no. red yeah it's cinnamon it smells like cinnamon. cinnamon yeah jeremy stole my answer i was gonna say yeah he smells like big red gum but <laughs> or a blood I, I, either one i was gonna say fireball but yeah same thing maybe fireball <laughs> whiskey that could be it too yeah yeah all right. all right the following night tuesday night december 19th at the uh scooters coffee frisco bowl I love these tie-ins. UTSA, 8-4 and four versus Marshall, 6-6. Six and six. 8 p.m. ESPN+. Plus. The Rogue Run- Runners are a 9.5-point favorite. I believe this represents the largest uh, predicted deficit for a Sunbelt team in the bowl games this year. Marshall kind of limping in. They've lost their quarterback, Cam Fancher. Uh, Charlie Huff. Kind of stuck his foot in his mouth a little bit talking about Fancher. Now they're going into this bowl game all the way in Texas where the Roadrunners would probably have a big fan advantage. Uh, what do you think uh, there, Shane? Did the, 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 the Thundering Herd have any shot here? I'm not going to say they don't have a shot, but I think okay. you, just perf- you just perfectly outlined the reasons that they're uh, – what I'm seeing is almost a two-touchdown underdog. Um mm. 
against UTSA. Like you said, it's going to be much easier for their fans to get there. I'm not sure Marshall fans are even that motivated to get to a bowl game right now. <laughs> like the way things are going, the way they feel about, you know, Coach Huff, who, as you put it, maybe put his foot in his mouth. Yeah. Um, yeah. But well, even I don't necessarily disagree with what he said, but oh, you know, you got to kind of watch what you're saying if you're trying to rally the troops. And uh, I just uh, there's a there's a lot going on at Marshall right now, and some of it's not good. Yeah, yeah. Marshall seems to be a program in crisis. Tib, do you agree with that assessment? Yeah, I mean, having watched UTSA when they played Texas State earlier this year, they're a good, solid team, a good program. As you said, it's kind of a home game being the short drive from San Antonio up to Frisco. I think this is uh, the Roadrunners kind of flexing on the Sun Belt. Yeah, I think we're going to see the Thundering Herd become the flattened Coyotes with the Roadrunners using their Acme technology to completely destroy the herd. And I hope that's not the case. I, I'm, I'm of the opinion I want all Sunbelt teams to win. So I'm not hoping that. I'm just kind of thinking that. So that's, you know, we, we, we take a few days off, guys, until Saturday, December 23rd. At 11 o'clock in the morning, Troy takes on Duke in the 76 Birmingham. Oh, well, so, all right, here we go. We got two teams with coaches that have left. Yeah, yeah, Mike Elko, he's on his way to Texas A&M. You've got uh, Coach John Sumrall, he's on his way to Tulane. So, really, you got two programs here that are, I don't know, a, a little flux in leadership. But uh, Duke's starting quarterback, Riley Leonard, he just bailed for Notre Dame. So that's not just the head coach that's left Duke. It's the it's the quarterback. Does that pretty much seal the deal for Troy? And I'll throw that to you, Tibbs. I think the Troy Trojans are the more intact team. I think that they've yes. done a good job with the assistants kind of stepping up to the plate and trying to keep it status quo. In addition to that, Duke now hiring Manny Diaz as their head coach. You got to wonder if he's not going to try to tinker with the with the product in in one week and and does he kind of screw things up for the Blue Devils? Maybe it's the Homer pick. Maybe it's because I want the Vulcan trophy to make its way to Troy. I picked the Trojans to win the Birmingham Bowl. I'm with you. I think Troy is just the better team at this point. Duke got off to a hot start this year, but you know, had had some injuries, had some issues. Now, you know, Riley Leonard's gone. Um, again, like I did, Troy playing basically at home in Birmingham, as you said, they're going through a coaching transition, but I think it's a little bit less chaotic than Duke's. I, I think this is just going to be a Troy victory and, and, and a big one for the Sun Belt. Yeah, I think so too. I think it'll be. Oh, sorry. I muted myself guys. Yeah. I am so sorry about that. I'm sure the sh I'm sure the show is running better with me muted, but yeah, I I agree. I, I it will be a nice feather in the cap for the Sun Belt, but will it? It it clearly Troy is going to be the better team in my opinion, which is never wrong. And it's At a home game. Yeah. At the same time, eleven a.m., Arkansas State six and six takes on Northern Illinois six and six at the Camellia Bowl. Red Wolves are one-point favorite. This is a rematch of the 2012 GoDaddy Bowl where uh, the Huskies of Northern Illinois came away with like a 35-20 to 20 win behind their brilliant quarterback, Chandler Harnish. I don't know if you guys remember Chandler Harnish. Uh, both teams are fairly intact. You know, they've lost a couple odds and ends, but not too much. Both are 6-6. Six and six. So they're going to be playing at, you know, sort of the same level. One caution for A-State, the Huskies have a running back named Antario Brown. Who's the real deal? 1,100 yards, 10 touchdowns. So they'll have to stop that run game. Tibbs, how do you see this game shaking out? I haven't watched the Red Wolves and box score watched the Huskies. Mm -hmm. I like what I have seen that can be negated by the Red Wolves. So... Once again, maybe it's the homer pick, but I think the Red Wolves are a little bit bigger, better, faster, stronger than the Huskies. Oh, I like to hear that. Shane, would you agree with that? I'm, I'm not going to disagree. I think it's going to be close. I think it's going to be maybe a little bit of a shootout, which 
maybe favors the Red Wolves. They played some of those games, uh, especially since they went to Jalen Rayner at quarterback. So I'm not I'm not real solid on either team, but I've, I was going to, you know, I see Arkansas State as what, like a one or two point favorite. I think that makes a lot of sense to me. Okay. Well, yeah, I, I do too. I think it's going to be a good game. I think I think the MAC. We always kind of forget how what good football they play until they come down south and thaw out and just start unleashing their 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 winter fed behemoths upon us. But we'll see. We'll see. I I I'm thinking it's going to be a pretty good game. All right, moving on, guys. <laughs> this this game. <laughs> like before the Air Force's four game losing streak was going to be a great game. James Madison, 11 1 versus the Air Force, 8 4 at the Lockheed Martin Armed Forces Bowl, 2 30 p.m., ABC, ESPN. The Dukes are a three point favorite. Dukes are now, first of all, you got to clear this up for us, Shane. Is Jordan McLeod playing in this game? For right now, it's that's the that's, that's the, the word. word. Right. Yeah, there's there's guys in the transfer portal, but so far only two of them have opted out, and that's uh, Mikhail Kamara and Carter Miller on the offensive line. So, um, I, you know, as much as uh, there's been a little turmoil in Harrisonburg, I think the roster is pretty close to intact. Okay, all right. So Shane Mitlin opted out of the uh, Armed Forces Bowl, by the way. That's right. He doesn't love our country. Tibbs, is James Madison going to roll over Air Force, who really just sort of fell apart at the end of the season, even if they have – I guess Jordan McLeod is going to be back with them. But is that – even without Jordan McLeod, could James Madison pretty much take over this game? Depends on which James Madison it is. I think if Signetti's still there, yeah, it's it's Dukes all day, all, all the time. But with all the chaos, the noise – I think the Air Force kind of steals one in this game to uh, claim the Armed Forces Bowl for America. Ah, good. It's good to bring the plant the flag on Sunbelt soil. All right. So same day. It's a busy day. The 23rd is a busy day for Sunbelt. Georgia State, 6-6 six and six, versus Utah State, coached by former Arkansas State head coach. Uh Blake Anderson, at the famous Idaho Potato Bowl, all the way up there in, Ohio, in Idaho, 2.30 p.m. ESPN or ESPN Plus, the Aggies are only a half-point favorite, and I'm not sure why, because Georgia State hasn't won since October 21st, and Georgia State's without Marcus Carroll, so does Georgia State have any shot at all at being Utah State, who are, who for all intents and purposes, are playing a home game in Idaho. Shane, break it down for us. I'm not uh, real high on the Panthers right now. Like like you said, they they tanked the end of the regular season. Uh, Utah State's been a little inconsistent, so I think you know you potentially catch them on a good day um, or or a bad day for the Aggies, however you want to phrase it, and maybe they have a chance, but. You know, there's a lot of things in Utah State's favor. You know, they have some close losses to some good teams this year, including JMU, including Iowa. Um, right. they're, they're close to being, you know, a team we might be talking about. Hey, they're, they're eight and four. They're pretty good. They got some good wins, but um, they just haven't been very consistent. But I think they're going to be consistent enough to beat to beat a uh, Georgia State team where there might be two Georgia State fans in the <laughs> in the stadium. <laughs> Well, there's nothing unusual about that. Je- yeah. uh, the Aggies have this really great receiver, Jalen Royals, a thousand yarder. He has 14 touchdowns. Uh, Tips is, does Georgia State have any firepower left to make this a game, or are the Aggies just going to pretty much have their way with them? The only hope is that the Panthers can wear the all blue uniforms and blend into the field <laughs> and sneak past the Aggies. Other than that, yeah, this is all Aggies all day long. I I just I'm speechless on on, on trying to come up with words about the Panthers. Uh, a lot of talent there. I hate to see that Darren Granger isn't able to go out on top with a bowl win, but I just don't see where they have the firepower to hang with the Aggies. And guys, we we're not saying this because we want 
Sunbelt teams to lose. We're, we're just giving it to you straight, aren't we, Tibbs? I mean, we're not going to sugarcoat it. I mean, we're a fun belt podcast. Why would we pick against the conference? <laughs> yeah, we're not going to get on residuals that way. Same night, 6 p.m., Southern Alabama. Southern Alabama. I got here, Southern Alabama. So I wrote this, I wrote my review like kind of quick while doing other work. Southern Alabama I have on here, not South Alabama. Six and six versus Eastern Michigan, also six and six. The 68 Ventures Bowl, formerly the GoDaddy Bowl, formerly the Dollar General's Bowl, 6 p.m. ESPN or ESPN Plus. The Jags enjoy the largest spread of all the bowl games. 16 points, South Alabama playing at home in their own stadium. That could be a bonus. That could be a letdown. I don't know. They're going to have to do it without Cullen Lacey, who portal plunged. But Eastern Michigan hasn't been very uh, uh, impressive, in my opinion. They're one of the hundreds of directional Michigan schools that play in the MAC. I don't know which one is which. I feel like Southern Alabama is going to have a pretty good day. Southern Alabama. Oh, my God. Here I am. Oh, sorry, Tibbs. I forgot. I'm throwing it to you, Tibbs. <laughs> That's fine. It, it doesn't matter, Jeremy. You're, you're talking about a school that doesn't exist. Oh, no, not, not the pain. Don't let the pain I, put this again. We're talking about we're talking about the Jaggy wires. All right. There's already plenty of pain and heartache. And damn it, I'm falling for him again. You're doing it again. No. Haven't there's you been no hard enough? There's no LaDamian Webb, because I saw no. that he was kind of calling it raps. But mm -hmm. we still have Carter Bradley. We still have Colin Lacey. We have a, a, a solid defense. Come on, Governor. Win one for the Gipper. All right, so be the voice of reason, Shane. Uh, is this going to be the the Jaggy Warrior blowout that's projected to be? Well, the only thing I really have to go on is the common opponent of Central Michigan. Both teams blew a lead late against the Chippewas, but Eastern Michigan, they did it on the road as opposed to Southern Southern Alabama doing it at home. So... I'm going to give Eastern Michigan an edge just based on that bit of information that I was able to look up. Okay. All right. Well, you know, to, to be fair, Southern Alabama is the away team in the bowl game. Okay. Okay. So they'll have to wear their away jerseys, I guess. Well, that's tough. All right. Coastal Carolina, seven and five. They go all the way to Hawaii, guys, to play San Jose State, also 7-5, in the Easy Post Hawaii Bowl, 9.30 p.m. ESPN, ESPN Plus. The Spartans are a 9.5 point favorite. And I think partly because of the distance, but partly because there's no Grayson McCall. And quite frankly, Coastal Carolina has lost more than 20 players to the bowl. While San Jose, San Jose State has hardly lost any. So, with that being said, it doesn't look good for Coastal Carolina, does it, Shane? It doesn't, but I kind of have a feeling about the chance. Okay. And a lot of it, I, I'm kind of basing this on Ethan Vasco. They've named him the starter. They've also got Noah Kim coming in from Michigan State in a transfer portal. This is Vasco's opportunity to go out there and kind of say, hey, this is going to be my job to lose next year. He's played pretty well when he's been given the opportunity. For some reason, I just kind of have a little bit of a gut feeling he's going to like have one of those you know, big bowl performances and kind of lead Coastal Carolina to a little bit of a surprising victory in this one. Uh, what do you think? What do you think about that, Tibbs? A surprising victory from Coastal Carolina, who has been fairly surprising this season, kind of going through its ups and downs and finally figuring things out. And now something kind of crazy going on at in Conway. We don't know what it is. But how? what bearing does it have on this game, Tibbs? I think you're still missing a lot of offense. And, and okay. I think even if even if he wasn't playing, Having QB1 on the sidelines is, is definitely your biggest cheerleader and your rallying point for the game. With him now joining the Wolfpack, they don't even have that. 
They don't have guests who kind of led them through several victories throughout the season. They don't have a lot of the key components. This is a shell of the Shantz team that we've seen throughout the season. And that's why I don't think that they win it. I think this is a Mountain West win for the Spartans. Yeah, it's too bad because I hate the Mountain West winning anything over the Sun Belt. Guys, before we go on to the last game, I just wanted to let you know it's the final. Arkansas State has triumphed over Louisville tonight, giving a nice feather in the cap for the Sun Belt. But uh, that's yeah, pretty cool. That's a pretty good win for Arkansas State. Louisville not very good this year. I grant you that. But it's nice to see my Arkansas State Red Wolves come away with the win. Tuesday, December 26th. This is the last bowl game of the year for the Sun Belt. Day after Christmas, Texas State Bobcats give us one last gift. 7-5 and five versus Rice, 6-6 six and six at the Serve Pro First Responder Bowl, 4.30 p.m. on ESPN, ESPN+. Plus. The Bobcats are a four-point favorite. JT Daniels, quarterback for the Rice Owls, has opted out of the bowl game. He is he's retired. He's done with football. He, he's had a very long career for a number of teams, and he's just not going to be there for the Owls this time for this last game against Texas State, which means TJ Finley and Ishmael Mondi are pretty much the stars of the game. Guys, is this a Texas State blowout, or does Texas State do what the what Texas State does and become the boob cats. I'll give it to you, Tibbs, because I know you know so much about the Bobcats. GJ Kenny's closing it out strong. Okay. This game is bigger than just being Texas State's first ever ball game. It's mm-hmm. bigger than putting a feather in the cap of the most D1 wins that they've had in a season. This yeah. is about Cruton, baby. You got to go against head to head a Houston school, a Texas school that's in your neck of the woods. You got to get the win. So Viva La Boobcats. TJ Finley says, I don't know what's next right now. The only thing that's next for me is the ball game. And so I know he's going to be slinging it. Viva La Boobcats. Right. And this is an in state rivalry. It's going to be kind of fun to watch. I mean, these two Texas group of five teams battling it out. Shay, this is not a bad game to end the ball game slate. Would you agree? I agree. And I- I'm with. I'm with Tibbs. This is the putting the final stamp on that taking back Texas year that Texas state has had. And, you know, putting, putting that final stamp on that beating an in-state team in a bowl game, which as we mentioned is going to be without their quarterback, um, TJ Finley, he seems to be very excited to play in this bowl game. Not quite sure what his, uh, his future holds, but you know, he, he seems, he, he seems to be very, uh, very into, uh, leading Texas state to their first bowl game. And I just think, you know, it's the program that's probably more fired up for this one. Now, is it possible to take back Texas if you've never had Texas to begin with? You're taking it back <laughs> from the likes okay. of the cultist Aggies. Ah, from the elite. The, the, you know exactly where they are. Uh-huh. Orange fans. Okay. Okay. The cheating express. Oh, gosh. The miners on the border. Yeah. Our favorite fruit group of rice. <laughs> the Cougs. Yeah. And every other school. You're taking it back from them. So we all agree, though, that Texas State is going to steam rice. I hope you inject the uh, crickets for that. <laughs> That's second and short, guys. Well done. Final second short of the year, bowl edition. You guys knocked it out. You guys were great. I was busy watching my basketball game, conducting a second and short, trying to juggle them both. You guys bailed me out. I appreciate it. Thank you very much. Yeah, I did see the occasional fist pump on the your screen <laughs> during this whole thing. <laughs> Tried so hard to remain professional. <laughs> oh, it's always so good to get a good win. But yes, very exciting. Yeah. So, guys, Shane's favorite part of this show, uh-huh. plugs, promos, and parting shots. So, Shane, please tell us, what do you have for us? Well, our our interview earlier got me thinking a little bit. This is, I guess, just a parting shot mm-hmm. about, you know, he, he's talking about playing 
juco ball for the Dodge City Conquistadors. You know, I went to school in, in that conference, the Hutchinson Blue Dragons. There's a lot of good yeah. nicknames out there, the Bronc Busters. There's a lot. I appreciate unique nicknames and I appreciate the Sunbelt, even though we have a couple of Eagles. I appreciate the Sunbelt gives us some good unique nicknames. We got the Dukes, we got the Chanticleers, we've got you know, Warhawks, Red Wolves, not just Wolves, they're Red Wolves. I, I appreciate being in a conference where we're not just, you know, having the Tigers play the Tigers every week. <laughs> yeah, that's, 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 you know what? That's true. We are, we're a very colorful group of people. I would love to have had a Roadrunner, though. That would be cool. Or, uh, uh, or a banana hammock, or I don't know, who are the bananas? The Savannah bananas? Yes, thank you. Are the I'm Santa sorry, Clara banana slugs? I am still high on Arkansas State's victory over over perennial powerhouse, traditional powerhouse, Louisville Cardinals. So just give me a moment. Just let me breathe it in. Mm. So good. Please, Jeremy, continue on with your plug promo and parting shot. Well, I was thinking about uh, bowl games you know I, I i picked out we picked out our tickets my dad and my uh brother we try to go to every arkansas state bowl game that we can one year i couldn't go one year my father couldn't go but for the most part we've been to every bowl game that arkansas state has been to since 2012 and i remember the first it was the GoDaddy bowl in uh in uh uh, uh oh gosh what's the same uh, <laughs> mobile alabama uh, held at Lad People Stadium. It was cold. It was, you know, kind of a like a, I don't know, like a, a bottom tier bowl for ESPN. So they didn't have all the their their good stuff out there. The lighting, the 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 all those things. It was sort of, you know, it was sort of a basic bowl game that we ended up losing to Northern Illinois. But man, I wouldn't trade that experience for anything. It was awesome. Every year, the GoDaddy Bowl actually got better and better. All the bowl games have gotten slicker and slicker. It's been a lot of fun. But man, then we lost. We haven't been back to a bowl since 2019. And you you miss it, guys. I mean, it is like, oh, it's like part of your life that's just gone. So guys, treasure your bowl games where you can. You know, James Madison, you guys are going to your very first FBS bowl game. Congratulations. Enjoy it. Love it. It's going to be a lot of fun, but do not take it for granted. Guys, savor this moment because one day your team's not going to be good enough to get in. And you'll miss those times. And you'll wish they've come back. They've come back momentarily for Arkansas State, and I really do appreciate it. Quit talking about me, Jeremy. I'm so tired of, of you being on the pedestal, just <laughs> raining down on us peons below ah, you. You know, it's not that hard. It's like six wins. I don't know what 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 ULM is doing, just kind of screwing around, not, not getting their wins. <sighs> so easy. My parting shot, got to go watch some live basketball. Warhawks traveled to Huntsville, Texas to play mm -hmm. Conference USA. Sam Houston led for the bulk of the game. Couldn't get it done down the stretch on the physical game with a lot of phantom fouls from the Conference mm. USA officiating crew. But it's always great to see live sports, even when there's no one there mm -hmm. to actually witness it. And that's my parting shot. 